Okay. Children are moving out to Children's Church. You are all turning with me to Colossians, and I want to comment on that that piece just now. Thank you for that. I don't know how people sing a cappella. I can't sing when I've got an orchestra. So that was wonderful. And you can get you can download entire uh, an entire repertoire. Can I use that word of uh, a cappella music? And it's really really good. Not as good as what we just heard, but some good pieces, good uh, worshipful music. Uh, entirely a cappella. You ought to look into that. Please turn to Colossians 3. Now that the children are out. I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to talk really fast. We've got a lot on the docket, you understand? We've got a message, and if you picked up an outline, there is no way. I mean, this outline would normally take us three weeks. We're going to rush through it. We're going from this to a baptism, from a baptism to soup. And the soup's calling me. I only had six crackers this morning. So uh, I know about that soup out there, so I will hurry. So what? Those crackers because that's all Laverne gave me? Should I say that? <laughs> okay, Colossians 3. Once again, as you look at Colossians 3 in this context, uh, Paul has been saying to the believers at Colossae, to the believers in this present day, because the canon of scriptures is extant. It's meant for the 21st century church as well as the 1st century church. He says, you are risen with Christ. Uh, Christ is your life. You then should consider yourself dead to the wickedness of this world. There are many things, again, in the context, we've gone over these, many things that need to be put off in the Christian life. No, you're not at liberty to just do what you wish. You are holy unto the Lord. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So there are things that you don't do that the world does. Put those off. You are to put on those things that will improve your relationship with the Lord. The ministry within the family that you have, little boys and girls, you can be a minister to your mommy and daddy by, by putting these things on. Meekness, forgiveness, forbearance. Yes, sometimes you have to forgive mommy and daddy because mommies and daddies are not per- perfect. And to put on bowels of mercies, that's the way it's stated here in the scriptures, to put on kindness, to put on long-suffering. And then of all things, he says, make sure you put on charity. I'm giving you a running start to the verse that we're going to. And then in the last few weeks, we've looked at the fact that we are also to to let, to be governed by, to govern ourselves, to be governed by the peace of God. That must take us over. It must come into our hearts. It's a message that um, almost always I'm asked to speak when in Israel to the, the mission group that is over there. And so I'm taking that message along. If, there, if there's a group of believers, uh, I'll be there by Sunday next. If there's a group of believers that needs to hear, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's people that are living in Israel right now that are trying to give the gospel to people. They need to hear that too. We need to understand that God is our peace no matter where we are on the planet and not, no matter what circumstances we're under. Am I talking fast enough for you? And then we move on to the next verse, the verse that we've looked at last two weeks. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. It is a matter of taking on the word of Christ, having it so uh, ingrained in our hearts that we just naturally outlet it to others within our home, in our community, because it's a lost community that needs to hear it. 
and that we outlet to one another in church. I want to commend my Sunday school class over these years. I have gotten probably more from being in Sunday school class, listening to them respond in the class, than they've probably gotten from me trying to teach the class. It is such a good thing to know that our church has the uh, Word of God engrafted in their hearts. They, if they can respond one to another. And everybody in here has the ability to take in the Word to a point that you're able to give it out and increase, notch by notch, the spiritual level of your home and the church. It's what we ought to do. And that it goes on. Back to verse 16. It can be done not only through the spoken Word, but through music, he says. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing with grace, with reflection and gratitude, that is. In your hearts, know that it's, it must come from here. God doesn't want flippant uh, treadmill religiosity. He wants something that comes out of our heart. And then, not to one another, but to the Lord. Understand that our ministry is to the Lord. Our, the music here is really special. Visitors, you heard a little bit of it today. It goes on here all the time, all the time. That ladies' ensemble, next Sunday you're in for a treat. Praise the Lord for music that touches our heart. And let me fasten that down one more time to all of you that are musicians. And that would be everybody in this place because the Bible does say every one of us can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That you're doing that is part of the ministry of the home and the church. Music is very, very important. If you expect, once again, if you're expecting the Sunday school teacher to be ready, if you're expecting the pastor to be ready, you be ready. And to be prayed up. And to understand that somehow, some way, God is going to use the music in the home and in the church to grow the church, to, to secure a foundation of theology that makes the church the home, the home, the church better. So have lots of it. Moms and dads out there, on the table, there are CDs. Get some. They're cheap. They're inexpensive. Take them. Play them often. Get the children up on Sunday morning with that good music. So valuable. Play it on your way to church and the way home. Play it all the time. It gives them that foundational theology. Then we come to verse 17, where he says, And whatsoever ye do, Notice the title of your message. Godly living in some. Or you might put godly living in summation. Godly living in climax. In zenith. God telling us something that is so valuable. And he says, whatsoever you do to make it, well, to put an exclamation point on it. Whatsoever you do. If this over this verse overtakes us, then it puts everything we've learned so far in the study of Colossians together with what is yet to be said. And you notice the next few verses talk about the home. They are what one Bible scholar called the home codes. Wives, husbands, children, fathers. Those things will fall into line if we follow this summation. Godly living in some. It says this the verse, and whatsoever you do in word, pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? Or deed, now we've covered everything. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So now to your outline and your your introduction. The Bible combines the expressions word, which is logos, and deeds, which is ergon, many times in Scripture. If you'd like to see some evidences of that, I've got a list of them in my notes. Word and deeds go together in Scripture often. God knows what he's doing, and he, he isn't stuttering. Words and deeds are very, very important. These two expressions sum, sum up the total interaction of us in the communities that we move in. Boys and girls, moms and dads, husbands and wives, fathers, children. Words and deeds in your home. Expressed and worked out rightly will help that home, community. Words and deeds rightly administered in the church will only help the church. And words and deeds that come from you as you move in this lost, dark world will draw people to Christ. They are very valuable to you. You are not an island to yourself. We are not an island to to ourselves. And I think I gave you a scripture on that. The phrase in this verse, the name of the Lord, listen now, is everywhere in the Old Testament. To speak this in the name of the Lord. Really? And, And Paul is writing about us being risen with Christ, alive in Christ, Christ being our life, and yet he says, you are to do your words and your deeds in the name of the Lord. And then he puts on there what Lord he's speaking about, the Lord Jesus. There's a reason for that. It raises Jesus to his rightful position of Godship. And it makes this a very worshipful verse. That our words and deeds bring worship to the God of heaven known as Christ, known as Jesus, the Christ. It is not just a matter of speaking Jesus' name where you go when you leave these doors, but rather it's a matter of living in harmony with his nature and with his character. And so let's look a little deeper at these two thoughts, letting our words and our deeds speak out Christ. Go to words first. That would be your Roman number one. First point in your notes is this. We must ban, I use the word ban, you can change the word if you want. We must ban words that would dishonor the Lord Jesus. Now, some of you are running a scripture through your mind right now. I know a good verse for that. Well, let's look at a few. Maybe one that you've thought of, maybe one you've not. Psalm 36. Once again, we must ban words that would dishonor the Lord Jesus. As you're turning Psalm 36, some of you are thinking about some really, really ugly words that you heard this last week among your co-workers in the neighborhood. Maybe even came out of the mouth of somebody that's dear to you. And you're thinking about how ungracious that was. You're thinking about how ugly that was. You're thinking about how horribly it tilted the community the wrong direction. As believers, we need to see that 
The words that come out of our mouth mouth are not first to minister, and this is scripture now, not first to minister grace to the hearers, but they are to honor the Lord, not dishonor them, him. And if they honor the Lord, the people around will be ingratiated by them. It will lead people toward God for our words to be words that honor the Lord, not words that dishonor. Look at Psalm 36, verse 1. The transgression of the wicked saith within his heart. That's where the word starts. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Hmm. The transgressions of the wicked saith within his heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. He doesn't even stop to think. Hmm, what am I saying? What words are coming out of my mouth? And am I honoring or dishonoring God by them? The wicked don't care. And in the midst of all the other ugly words that they say, they will blaspheme his holy name. Hmm. And yes, there are Christians that do the same. Verse 2. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes. He's doing that with the words, these ugly words that he uses. Until this iniquity is found to be hateful. Verse 3. The words of the mouth of iniquity, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. Hmm. These are the kinds of words that must be put away. Go to the book of Matthew. We won't look at all the scripture today. We're, we are moving quickly toward our baptism. Matthew 12. Ooh, this should smite every one of us. It should cause us to sit up and take, to listen, to pay attention. Matthew 12 and verse 35. It starts off by saying, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. Now we start. This is where the thought starts for this point. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Whether words or deeds, but in this case we're talking words, so it goes on. But I say unto you, this is Jesus talking, Jesus the Son of God talking, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That should shake us all. It should shake us to our core. And you might say, ah, my life has been a constant variation from what we've just learned here. In fact, I have violated this so often with the things that come out of my mouth. Well, it's time from this point on for everyone in this room, including the pastor up here, to let the words of of our mouth honor God and not dishonor Him. To stop and say, yes, I am capable of doing this because Colossians told us. Colossians says, whatsoever you do in word, do all to the honor of God. So it is possible we are able to curtail those evil words and replace them with words that are gracious. That brings us to the next point. The next point in your notes is this. We must wisely select words to bring glory to the Lord Jesus. You have a bunch of scriptures there. I'm going to take you immediately to Psalm, the second passage. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. 
this is where it starts. Remember, the Scripture, Colossians tells us, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Won't that help this matter? So that the whatsoever we do in word will bring honor to the Lord. If our if the words of God are absolutely dwelling in us richly, there won't be space for the other. Look at the verse, thy word, the psalmist says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes with my lips. That's where words come from. Hmm. Have I declared all the judgments of my mouth? Skip on to verse 171. Same passage, same psalm. My lips shall shall utterly, I'm sorry, shall utter praise. When thou hast taught me thy statutes, my tongue, tongue is part of the words, shall speak thy word. For all thy commandments are righteousness. Since we're close, let's go to the passages in Proverbs. Proverbs 15. The point again, let's hammer the point down. We must wisely select words because God's word tells us whatsoever you do in word, do all to the honor, glory of the Lord Jesus. So we must wisely select words that will bring him honor. Proverbs 15. Look at verse 1. A soft answer hmm, turneth away wrath. Look at verse 4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Look at verse 7. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. As you listen, you're going, wow, I'm getting something from this. Since we're close, go over to chapter 16 and verse 1. The preparation of the heart of in man. Stop. How do we prepare it? How do we prepare that heart? Well, we've said it already, and Paul, Paul was saying it to the Colossian believers, and we have preached it here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. And I'm sure Paul, because he was so knowledgeable of the Scriptures, was thinking a proverb. There's a proverb on this, and he probably could have quoted it. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says, The preparation of the heart in man, you fill it with word of God, and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. If we will fill our hearts with those things that bring praise to God, then what comes out of our mouth will bring praise to Him. So that when we go back to this matter of Colossians 3, and verse 17, So whatsoever you do in word, do all to the glory, to the honor of the Lord. But it didn't stop there. It said, in sum, Paul writing, whatsoever you do in word or deed. That brings us to Roman numeral 2. Go to Matthew 10. Now, before we read the scripture, look at the point. Deeds, Roman numeral 2, deeds are a clear reference to bodily activity. Paul was writing to humans, humans that made up a church, 
humans that had a course that they went to. How often did that church at Colossae meet? I don't know. Who was their pastor? Epaphras was for a while. Don't know if he was when Paul was writing because Paul was talking about Epaphras bringing word to them of what a wonderful church was over there in Colossae. So maybe they had a different pastor. It's beside the point. The point was it was a group of humans that needed to hear this and whatever day or days they met together as believers, they weren't there all the time. Paul knew that they would go out from the assembly, which is the church, and they would meld into the community, and as a result of going into the community, they would act out. They would make choices, and their deeds would either honor Lord Jesus Christ, or they wouldn't. That it wouldn't just be the words that they spoke. Somebody said, it's an old saying, boys and girls, listen to this, your deeds speak so loud, I can't hear a word you speak. Some of the older folks in this room have heard that before. Girls, because this this room is full of beautiful young ladies, let me say something to you. Grandma used to say, pretty is as pretty does. I've seen some very physically attractive people who are so ugly in their deeds that you go, get back. I hope I'm never like that. I suppose I have been. Well, I wasn't pretty, so I was ugly and ugly. God doesn't want us to do that. God wants us to be pretty in our deeds. He wants us to be attractive in the things that we do. It brings people toward Christ. That's the point. It is a clear reference to humans and how humans do deeds. So now you're in uh, Matthew 10, verse 39. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake in the gospel of Jesus speaking to disciples, the disciples, shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth him uh, receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall Receive a righteous man reward. Now cap that with this verse that you know very well. And whosoever shall give a drink unto one of these little ones, cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. The point in your notes is this, and I'll finish with the blank. Deeds done in abandonment of self can anticipate a reward. When we start thinking about, stop thinking about me, 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 and start thinking about others around us, we can be guaranteed that a cup of water has a reward coming. They're looking out for one another instead of me all the time. Instead of whining about aches and pains and not my course of life and all the issues that I am facing this week, find somebody that has a need and God will reward that deed. He will reward that deed. And a cup of water may seem small. To God it's not. Once again, deeds done in abandonment of self can anticipate reward. Go to Romans 14. Your next point. He 
statement that we had made earlier. In, in fact, this was found in the introduction. Oh, I want to stop for a second. Go back to the previous point. Done. See, deeds done in abandonment of self. Keep that point in mind for the last song that we'll sing. In a few moments, we'll sing a final song. And it coincides with that point from Scripture very, very well. It speaks, the song speaks the doctrine of that Scripture. Now you're back to Romans 14. Verse 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Speaking to Christians, whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. You can't run from that. You can't escape the Lord's control of the believer. The Lord's in uh, residence within the believer. You can't escape that. And so the point is this in your, in your notes. Deeds should be done with regard to the spiritual welfare of others. It's actually two words. It's a long blank. I think you can squeeze that in. They should be done with regard to the spiritual welfare of others. How would Jesus do? When Jesus moved from place to place, he was constantly encouraging people to come to his kingdom. He was constantly preaching the kingdom set before them. He was constantly talking about the fact that he himself was the way, the truth, and the life. And there was no other way. And as he moved along, he would make blind people to see, and deaf people to hear, and lame people to walk. And it happened over and over and over. And then when he looked at 5,000 men alone, along with women and children, he said, these people need something to eat. He didn't. It wasn't social gospel. He didn't feed them and send them away without the gospel. He gave them the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, and said, before you go, I've got a lunch for you. That is what we as Christians need to understand, that that kind of care in our deeds for the spiritual and even physical well-being of others, it is what God wants. Deeds should be done in regard for the spiritual welfare of others. Helping them on to, to Christ. C. Go to 1 Corinthians. And a verse that you've quoted over and over. I know a family in California, Oakland area. They quote this before every meal. Before every meal. Can't remember their names. Hmm. She's a realtor in Oakland. So, yeah. Before every meal, this verse. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. You could almost say it with me, couldn't you? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do. Do speaks of deeds. And he, he reiterates that same word. Do, then do the deed. It goes on. Do all to the glory of God. Your point is this. The blank is filled with the word praise. Deeds, even in self-sustaining nature, should be done to the glory of the Lord Jesus. Done to the glory of God. 
Do you have to drink something today? Well, you better. You're 65% water. Your body needs hydration. God's Word is telling you here, you can drink that water unto the glory of God. Do you need food and nutrients? Yes, you do. My wife's been feeding me carrots. Ew! you got to stop this junk food. Here's some carrots for you. So I've been eating lots of carrots. You eat the carrots. Oh, you can do something good for yourself. You do it as unto the Lord. You're doing something that glorifies Him. Things of self-sustaining nature can be done to His glory. If whatsoever we eat and drink is a deed unto Him, then that will expand into the other things that we do throughout the day. Your mealtime is abbreviated compared to how much time you spend the rest of the day doing something else. And yes, it can be to the glory of the Lord. And it must be. Whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of the Lord. And lastly, Galatians 6. Galatians 6 and verse 9. You could also quote this one. We could say this is a capstone verse to this message. A capstone verse to an era, to a space and time for this church, to a phase. This church doesn't come to an end tomorrow unless he captures you away. Got it? The church is the assembly. It's not the person that talks up in front. The person that talks up in front, if he is a member of that church, is a member of the assembly and no more. He might and should be the one who carries a message, having studied in himself, carries a message through an earthen vessel to the rest of the assembly, but he's a member of the assembly. So the assembly goes forward in God's eyes and can be blessed by God for a long time long time, if it will. This assembly, not exactly this face, obviously, this assembly has gone on for over 60 years. Well, I got news for you, folks. Dave and Holly Thompson went to a First Baptist Church in New York City on 79th and Broadway. They recently had their 250th anniversary. Their first pastor baptized George Washington. You want to go back a ways? Now somebody baptized Lynn Lynn Shook, and he's close to George Washington, but not quite. So you see a church, a First Baptist church, someplace else on the planet that continues and continues and continues because their words and their deeds are as unto the Lord. And because they follow this point on and on and on. And the point is this. Look at Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall, 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 circle it, underline it, we shall reap. When God's Word says you will reap, the harvest will be amazing. You can't even imagine. We shall reap if we do not fall away, if we faint not, if we do not quit. So the point in your notes is this. Deeds are to be done with tireless, 
tireless perseverance. One of the brothers uh, between Sunday school and morning service asked me, what now for me? Can't say exactly. You know the uh, Firestone Baptist Church that we supported for three years at $500 a month? That's where we've been going on Wednesday night, and that's initially where we intend to go and volunteer. The little building they're in has no sheetrock on the walls. I can't mud the sheetrock, but I can hang it. And I've got the energy to do so. And if I do it as a deed to the Lord, in tireless perseverance, there's a blessing for it. Yes, hanging sheetrock, the Lord will bless it. If I'm asked to teach a Sunday school class, I certainly will. We all are to have the Word of God dwell in us richly. And we're to do this in tireless perseverance because we shall reap. Now, before our baptism, our last song in baptism, go back to your scripture. I said that just to make sure you understand. No believer is to finish with a fizzle. Finish with a flurry. Be an all-out sprint when Jesus comes back. Could be tomorrow. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Finish till the final gun. That goes along with football. I had to say that's football season after all. Back to Galatians 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. He is God. He is the creator and the sustainer. Then it goes on to say, giving thanks to God and the Father by the name of Jesus Christ. So in the last portion of your notes, you will fill it in yourself. That last group of lines. Here's what I want you to do. You go back to that text over and over and say, hmm, of everything that's been said in Colossians so far, we have, we have borne down on the fact that these good things of, Colossians, of, of the book of Colossians to that church then and this church today are aimed at the Christian home of which we have many good, solid homes. There are no fewer than nine good, solid, classic mom, dad, and kids homes in this place. Praise God for that. There are so many disjointed uh, churches that are a bunch of uh, single-parent homes and uh, disheveled situations, tragedies. We're blessed here. In the home, however your home is made up, We take these things and we do them as unto the Lord. And we thank the Lord in our home. And then we do it in the local church. Those are two ordained entities of God, the home and the church. And yes, you could tack on government. That is in a different realm in the mind of the Almighty. For God, the Christian home, and the church are His, and He wants them going rightly. So for A and B... I want you to make it deep thinking now to list two things that you are most thankful for in your home, for your home, that God has done on behalf of your home. And then for C&D, you write down things that you are thankful for as it pertains to your church. Think about it a while. Don't do it right away. Whatsoever you do, and word or deed. Do all to the glory of the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Thank you for your reverence to the word of God.
Our Father, we thank you so much for the church that's yours. This church belongs to your son. They are part of that eternal bride that you have set apart. They have a wonderful thing before them in serving you until your son comes back. Bless them, everyone. Guide their homes aright. Help them to care one for another. Help them, in fact, to sum up their life in their words and their deeds toward you to your honor. Bless now as we finish our service with song and then go into the baptism we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, there, Wesley, step up here so folks can see you. Again. Again. Okay. Let's go with orange. Wesley has come asked to, to be baptized. And it is altogether right that his church family hear his testimony. Now, little guys like this could freeze up. So for the little ones, I just ask the questions and let them answer. Wesley, do you know you're saved on your way to heaven? Yes. Loud. Yes. Yes. Good for you. Um, why? Did Jesus do something for you? Yes. And what was that? He he cleansed my heart so I could go to heaven and have a happy life. Yes. And heaven is really a happy life, isn't it? Yes, it is. He cleansed you by shedding something. What did he shed? My sins. And he shed my heart. He shed, though. What did he shed for you? What did What came out of him on the cross? Blood. Do you believe that the blood washed away your sin? Yes. Do you understand, Wesley, that baptism does not save you? Yes. It is an act of obedience. Is that correct? Yes. And it is saying that you're going to be dead to the things of this world and rise to living for Christ. It's a very important thing, and you're saying that to the body of Christ. Do you understand that? Yes. Then would we all agree that it's time for Wesley to go through the waters of baptism? Amen? Amen. So stand ahead back there, buddy. First of all, we'll baptize Brother Wesley, and then we'll be looking for a motion to accept him into the non-voting membership of our church. So we'll be thinking about that. We will take care of that matter as well. We'll need a second on that and a vote from the congregation. Wesley, come on down. Okay then, Wesley. We've heard your testimony of salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, that you believe in the blood of Jesus Christ washed away your sin. So on the basis of your testimony and before the church, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, and all God's people said, I think that guy might be a preacher someday. He's a deep thinker, I know that. Okay, before we close, and uh, Brother Gary, if you close us in prayer after this, I will entertain a motion to accept that young man into the non-voting membership of the First Baptist Church of Akron, Colorado. Got the motion and a second? And a second, that's Keith back there. Somebody is taking this down, even though our church clerk is outside. Yes. And all in favor, signify by saying aye. And oppose the same sign. Very good. Let's all stand together and Brother Gary.